Modern Love, the podcast, is supported by... Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like expanding capacity for sustainable aviation fuel and biodiesel in Washington state and bringing massive new infrastructure online in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. From the New York Times and WBUR Boston, this is Modern Love. Stories of love, loss, and redemption. I'm your host, Meghna Chakrabarty. As I rode in a cab across the Brooklyn Bridge, a man I barely knew was sucking my toes. The lights of the bridge streaked overhead, and Manhattan was a jeweled kingdom shrinking behind us in the darkness of the rearview mirror. Sprawled in an awkward position, I felt weirdly detached from my foot. That's Greta Gerwig, director of the upcoming movie Little Women. She reads Julia Ann Miller's essay about sharing an unusual cab ride. It's curious to watch someone engaged in an act of erotic passion and feel nothing. Well, not exactly nothing. I felt a faint thrill. Not of physical arousal, but a stirring of my spirit of adventure. A blur of lights dotted the East River. The wheels flew over the pavement, and my body whirred through space. This is it, I thought. My life here has begun. I had moved to New York in my late 30s in search of a more glamorous life. What had brought me to this juncture? Failure. A life shaped by safe choices. I had acquired a PhD in literature with dreams of a steady paycheck, the shelter of tenure, and a solid Victorian house on the edge of campus. I would marry a fellow professor, bear two handsome children, and fall into the predictable rhythms of the school year. I looked forward to a life undisturbed by risk, rebellion, or blinding passion. But I could find no teaching job. When I was 18, New York City was the one that got away. Visiting it for the first time, I knew that I wanted to live here. It was a true thing that I knew with the clarity of all true things. To live in New York was to travel the world while standing still. As I walked through Union Square, a kaleidoscope of humanity tumbled around me. A woman walking six dogs, a man holding a steering wheel as if he were driving an invisible car, 
a group of muscular breakdancers performing circus feats. My body was a collection of Walt Whitman's moving particles, mixing with moving particles, no end to me and no beginning to anyone else. It was a sensual siren song to my soul. The specifics of my dream were an unthinkable, embarrassing cliché. I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to express raw emotion in front of hundreds of people. I scoured the pages of Backstage furtively, as if it were a pornographic pamphlet from the 18th century, but I never vocalized my desire. I gave up on the thing I most wanted without even really trying. I went on to inhabit the straight jacket of a good girl, doing all the things that were expected of me. Good grades, graduate school, a sensible career path, and, most of all, decorum. And yet, the straight and narrow had led to a dead end, joblessness and debt. With each rejection letter I received during my academic job search, I felt a rising tide of relief. Now I can do as I please, I thought. Now I can move to New York. And thus I found myself in the back seat of a cab with my foot in the mouth of a near stranger. I had landed a job at a test prep company, devising analogies, antonyms, and sentence completions for standardized tests, my creative aspirations being spent on wordplay and vocabulary drills. We employees were a collection of would-be artists working day jobs. There was the doctor who secretly wanted to sing opera, the lawyer who had devoted a good part of his life to ultimate frisbee, and the engineer who was into sound design. It was an island of misfit toys, writers, actors, and musicians toiling at day jobs they didn't love to support their strange habits, deep desires, and unlikely professions. We worked long hours and retired to local bars to decompress and talk about our shadow lives. On one such night, I agreed to share a cab home with a drunken co-worker ten years my junior. A cab was an unthinkable luxury for me in those days. I was making $32,000 a year, living on credit cards and renting an apartment with four roommates where I slept in a walk-in closet that fit only a single bed and a lamp. That evening, my coworker and I had stood on the pavement in Hell's Kitchen trying to hail a cab. I had no game in hailing taxis, even sober as I was, but my coworker finally managed to snag one. As we sailed through the city streets making small talk, I complained about my sore feet, and he offered to give me a foot massage. I hardly knew this guy. He worked in a whole different area. But feeling weary and curious, I thought, why not? I removed my Vibram sole sandals and offered up my feet. As he massaged like a pro, he said, so I'm getting married in a few weeks. 
I was thrilling to the magic carpet ride of the cab whisking us home in minutes as opposed to the forever it often seemed to take by subway. It felt like time travel as we whipped down the FDR drive. So, yep, he continued. Two weeks from now, I am no longer a single man. Uh, congratulations, I said, even though in those days I saw marriage as a form of being buried alive. There's one thing I've always wanted to do, he said. Yes? My fiancé won't allow it. What is it? And then he unveiled his heart's desire to suck a woman's toes before he resigned himself to a life without quirk. He spoke of toes in general with reverence and earnest passion. He spoke of my toes in particular, their contours, shapeliness, and perfection. Can I? He said, glancing toward my toes. They look so sweet. At that moment, time stood still. I had moved to New York to fulfill my deepest dreams. And here was this young man presenting me with his small dream. I thought of all the times in my life I had said no, all the roads I had never hitched, all the chances I had never taken, all the lips I had never kissed. And I thought, New York is not about no. New York is about yes. So yes is what I said. Well, I wish I could say it was the most erotic experience of my life. He sucked on each toe as if it were the leg of a tiny crustacean and he was after the meat. Then he tended to my other foot, playing it as if it were a harmonica. The slurping sounds aroused the attention of our driver, and I leaned forward through the partition to block his view. That's right, I said, directing him. Straight up on Flatbush. Falling back into my seat, I thought about all the places my feet had been that day walking up and down the stairs of the F train, across the marbled expanse of Grand Central, through Midtown where Dalmatian spots of gum dotted the sidewalks. Given all that, my feet looked remarkably clean. Even so, I wondered if my companion might contract some fatal foot-and-mouth disease from his impulsive actions. And yet, I knew that if this were to be his final act, he would die happy, just as I would die happy. Just as those who live to see their deepest dreams fulfilled die happy. The cab turned onto my street and the man released my foot. Well, he said matter-of-factly, I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, I said, understanding that we would never speak of this again. And so, the next day, we pretended it had never happened. After some time passed, I almost wondered if it had. 
until a year later when a friend at work approached me, wanting to talk. She had an MBA but no heart for business. Another misfit, trying to figure out what she wanted to be when she grew up. I have to talk to you, she said. Something has happened. What is it? We retired to the women's bathroom. Someone at work sucked my toes, she confessed, nearly bursting into tears. Really? He said he was getting married and that his fiancée wouldn't allow it. I flashed back to the cab and the foot enthusiast's soon-to-be-married story, the urgency that had led to my surprising decision to acquiesce. What did I feel in that moment? Angry that I had been duped? No. I felt a tiny bud of admiration bloom in my heart. Here was a man, so focused on his dream that he had managed, through simple boldness and a dash of deception, to make it come true again and again. I stared in a three-way mirror and made a mental note to check out acting classes at Uta Hagen's studio. I had almost forgotten about my friend. Do you think I'm disgusting? She said finally. No, I said, touching her shoulder while contemplating a bolder future for myself. I would have done exactly the same thing in your shoes. Greta Gerwig. She's the director of Little Women, out this December. Greta says it for her, like Julia, New York is a place of possibility and adventure. I very much understand wanting to move to New York to pursue your, your dreams and having part of that be saying yes to things that seem kind of crazy. And I felt like... I've never had my toes sucked in a cab going home, but I felt as if I have had similar experiences where I thought, well, what else are you doing in New York if it's not to say yes to the crazy stuff? Well, what happened to the toe sucker and to the toe sucky? More from Julia Ann Miller after the break. There's danger out there. Every notification, swipe, social post, video, or selfie while driving risks your life. So while sharks might be scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. My name is Thomas Gibbonsneff. I'm a journalist at the New York Times. I served in the Marine Corps as an infantryman. When it comes to reporting on the front line, a lot of the same basics are at play. Uh, you're looking at the map of where you're going. If you're on a paved road, field roads, you know, is there a hospital nearby? Is your body armor affixed with a first aid kit? Does everyone know where that first aid kit is? We arrive into a, a military position. I get out of the car. I look at my watch. You know, I set a timer. No more than an hour. I'm listening for drones, jets, check in with the team. Is everyone comfortable? And if they are, then we proceed. 
frontline reporting is dangerous, but I think nothing is more important than talking to the people involved, you know, hearing their stories and being able to connect that with people thousands of miles away. Anything that can make something like this more personal, I think is well worth the risk. New York Times subscribers make it possible for us to keep doing this vital coverage. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that at nytimes.com slash subscribe. Julia Ann Miller doesn't know where the man she calls a foot enthusiast is now. After the incident in the cab, she saw him in passing several times, but they never talked about it. Eventually, he disappeared into the anonymity of the city. But she did confess the whole story to her colleague, who had the same experience. She says they laughed about it. We were wondering how he had been so successful in getting such different women as the two of us to consent, and we did consent, to this request, and it was a request. And we decided it was the element of surprise, (laughs) his utter focus on what he desired, and the fact that we had had both had long days and had very tired feet. When Julia looks back on that cab ride today, nearly 20 years after it happened, she's amused by the whole thing. There definitely was an innocence and naivete in me to think that, you know, having my toes sucked in the back of a cab was the experience of a, quote, real New Yorker. Like, that would somehow qualify me as someone who, you know, had the, had the props to be here. But when I think back upon the experience now... It's with deep affection for both that girl and that boy in the cab. This was a a joyful experience that I really was celebrating when I wrote about it. After her piece came out, Julia heard from some people who didn't think it belonged in modern love. But she says the love at the center of this piece doesn't have anything to do with toes. It's very much belongs in modern love, in my opinion, because it's about the love of a place, and it's a love of a place that feels like home. And, you know, and I'm going to sound Pollyanna, but I still see the magic of this city, and it has to do with its diversity, and it has to do with its expression, and it has to do with the fact that people do come here to express their desires and their dreams, and not everybody gets there. But the collective energy of people trying and feeling the possibility that it could happen is still intoxicating to me. And Julia is one of those people, still working on pursuing her own artistic dreams. I've continued to express myself, and then I get bogged down by my jobs. And I think it's over for me as an artist. And then something like this happens, (laughs) and I get invited to talk about my work, and someone as amazing as Greta Gerwig is going to read it. And then I remember that life is still full of possibilities, and that New York still has possibilities to offer me, and that I am going to persevere in that pursuit of my dreams Even though I need to pay my rent, just like every other New Yorker, I'm not closing up shop. I'm not done yet. 
Julia Ann Miller. She's a writer and works in educational technology. After the break, Daniel Jones, editor of the Modern Love column for The New York Times. This podcast is supported by Carvana. Looking for a new set of wheels? Shop for your next car the convenient way. 100% online with Carvana. Whether you're shopping for a vehicle at your leisure or if you need to get on the road, Carvana makes it super easy and hassle-free to browse their massive inventory of cars. Whenever, wherever. Plus, Carvana has thousands of quality cars for under $20,000. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to shop for cars the convenient and affordable way. My name is Thomas Gibbonsneff. I'm a journalist at the New York Times. I served in the Marine Corps as an infantryman. When it comes to reporting on the front line, a lot of the same basics are at play. Uh, you're looking at the map of where you're going. If you're on a paved road, fueled roads, you know, is there a hospital nearby? Is your body armor affixed with the first aid kit? Does everyone know where that first aid kit is? We arrive into a, a military position. I get out of the car. I look at my watch. You know, I set a timer. No more than an hour. I'm listening for drones, jets, checking with the team. Is everyone comfortable? And if they are, then we proceed. Frontline reporting is dangerous, but I think nothing is more important than talking to the people involved, you know, hearing their stories and being able to connect that with people thousands of miles away. Anything that can make something like this more personal, I think is well worth the risk. New York Times subscribers make it possible for us to keep doing this vital coverage. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that at nytimes.com slash subscribe. Dan Jones says that he admired how open Julia was to her co-worker's desire. You know, it's a playful piece, but instead of, um, of being freaked out and criticizing it and shaming it, which is not what we normally do with, you know, anyone expressing a desire that, that isn't conventional, um, she sort of celebrates it and thinks, you know, good for him. Um, he knows what he wants. He, he he goes after it. And for me, you know, I'm I'm sitting there in my sterile office, like as all these sort of unusual stories pour in. Um, and I feel often about it the same way that Julia does. Like, you know, good for them. Like they figured out what they wanted. They went for it. And it would be nice to have... You know, a world without shame. And I think that's how she feels about it, too. Modern Love is a production of The New York Times and WBUR, Boston's NPR station. It's produced, directed, and edited by Caitlin O'Keefe. Original scoring and sound design by Matt Reed. Iris Adler is our executive producer. Daniel Jones is the editor of Modern Love for the New York Times and advisor to the show. The idea for the Modern Love podcast was conceived by Lisa Tobin. Special thanks to Julia Simon, Anya Stremian, and Mia Lee at the New York Times. Additional music, courtesy of APM. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. And by the way, my other job is hosting an NPR show called On Point. Check it out in your podcast feed. We'll see you next week. 